Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So I wandered off to the park this morning with the Rowdies and a uh, little Sonny by himself at eight pounds because his 15-pound buddy Rocky wasn't getting into it. Little Sonny had a face-to-face with a deer. And it was quite funny because the deer wasn't going anywhere. And Sonny's so accustomed to his little yelps getting them scattered, he didn't know what to do. So eventually what he did was he turned around, walked back to me, and stood between my legs. And then he started barking again. So it was actually very, it was very funny to watch. I wish I'd had the uh, gotten a video of it, but it was just hilarious. This deer was, no, I'm not going anywhere. No, you're not going to scare me. Maybe Sonny scared him before, but it was this time. It was hoofs planted, and uh, you want to go for it, little fella? Let's go. All eight pounds of them said, Meh, where are you, Rocky? Hello, everybody. It's... Uh, the 20th of January, so we're scurrying right along through the uh, through the month uh, ahead today. We'll talk to Dan Kelly. He'll be back, the president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. I want to find out whether anywhere in this country there is a really positive climate for small business. Whether in Canada there is a provincial government that really understands the value of small business, the number one employer in the country. Where is this place? And what if a small business were to open in uh, Canada versus the United States? Where's more of the positive attitude flow towards small business? Is it in this country or is it across the border? I hear from small business operators on a regular basis, and they're very unhappy. In fact, on Twitter, if I can just find this, um, Dan Kelly also tweeted that he'd be on the show this afternoon. And then from... Security, where's it gone? Security, I hate when this thing decides to do what it wants to do. Uh, from Security 32811 Strategic Canine Service, please remember to mention the provincial government is very brutally hunting small business. We should just leave Ontario, the place I used to love. I see emails, I see tweets like that. People are fed up, so we'll find out from Dan Kelly where, if anywhere in this country, there is a truly warm and receptive attitude towards small business. Also coming up today, Thomas Quiggin, the Canadian court-certified expert on terrorism and security, who's worked with the RCMP, the Armed Forces, and the United Nations, as well as the Bank of Canada and other organizations, the author of Submission, The Danger of Political Islam to Canada with a Warning to America. We're going to look at some of the hoax Uh, stories of Islamophobia in Canada, the United States, and elsewhere on the heels of the 11-year-old and her story in Toronto. I don't believe in running away from issues. I believe in taking them on.
So that's coming up today. But we're going to begin with um, the trial which concluded yesterday for two members of uh, Dalton McGinty's former senior staff, David Livingston, the chief of staff for McGinty, and Laura Miller, the former deputy chief of staff. They were both on trial. Mr. Livingston was found guilty. Ms. Miller was found not guilty. And uh, at the uh, at the trial yesterday, at the at the um, declaration of of guilt, that's a clumsy way of saying it, was my uh, chorus radio <laughs> colleague Alex Pearson, the uh, the host of On Point on the Chorus Radio Network. That's pretty clumsy talking, eh? Well, that's just a bit more fancy. Fancy? Well, more thank you so much. Fancy. Thank you. It's all formal. I, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, Alex, I talked to people over the last couple of days who couldn't even remember what the gas plant situation was really all about. They remembered $1.1 billion, but not the issue. So can you just remind well, maybe, us, please? Maybe you can remind them by looking at their hydro bill. Yeah, that's true. That, that is a big uh, yeah. reason why prices have gone up. So what, what was the reason? Remind us, please, what the reason was that Livingston and Miller were facing charges in the first place. Yeah. So we have to go back six years to 2011 when uh, Dalton McGinty was fighting for his political life. And there were two seats in Mississauga and Oakville that were liberal-friendly seats. And they were under threat because there were two gas plants being built, natural gas plants being built. And they were very unpopular. And so what do you do when you're fighting for your political life in an election? Oh, yeah, you cancel those plants when they've already got signed documents and signed contracts. And, and then you just cancel them. Um, you know, collateral damage and expenses be damned. But so they canceled those gas plants in that election, and Dalton McGinty ended up winning those seats and got a minority government. And it was only because of that minority government that the opposition... Alex? Uh, ...and the information we wanted to know about the costs were revealed. And so... They did what is called a freedom of information request, and that would protect any documents in the ministry, in the whole, um, you know, uh, liberal government would have to be preserved and protected because they wanted those documents because they were having uh, these legislative committee hearings on this matter. It was a very, very serious matter because, as the, the Auditor General pointed out, it wasn't the $230 million that, um, that they claimed it cost to cancel them. It, it went up to $1.1 billion. But upon that, and what is not really reported, but now what I report is, after the fact, you had to move those plants to the new uh, location and build them, which is an additional amount of money. So it's actually closer to about $2 billion. So the the accused Laura Miller and David Livingston were facing a number of charges, including obstruct justice, mischief, um, and and that is because they were accused of destroying these documents that are owned by us, the taxpayer, that would have you know explained why they did it, what the costs were, etc. But of course, we don't know what happened because those emails were destroyed. So the trial concluded yesterday with a ruling of guilt for David Livingston, uh, and M Laura Miller was acquitted. So what was it that convicted Livingston? Well, um, it, you know, the judge, thank God, it was Justice Lipson, who has uh, is far more capable than the Crown, who really are the three stooges, because they, they just could not do the job properly. So they're lucky they got even one conviction, because they handled the case so badly. Um, 
But essentially, uh, the judge said in very terse language uh, that he was dishonest, sophisticated, um, and, and was guilty, essentially, of uh, seeking and getting administrative approval and bringing someone off the street to wipe hard drives in the premier's office. That's the simple version of it. So, uh, you know, it, it garners, it's a cover-up. Right, and that, and that at some point came off the street was Miller's husband. Yeah. Boyfriend. Boy, and boyfriend, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, look, this the story stinks seven ways to Sunday, but essentially what happened was David Livingston went to the upper echelons of the civil service and said, I need to get administrative powers to... Um, um, get rid of personal stuff on our email, on our, on our computers in the premier's office. And they all looked at him and said, well, you, you, can't, you can't just do that. We have a, a system in place. And so he started poking around and asking. And it turns out that he wanted to get the administrative powers so that this Peter Feist, the boyfriend of Laura Miller, could come in and wipe the hard drives. Now, to think, uh, Roy, of a person coming off the street and going into the premier's office and wiping drives is so baffle-gabbing to me. And to should be to everyone because you just can't do that. You can't do that. But nonetheless, they got these administrative powers. Laura Miller uh, brought in her her boyfriend, who was paid ten thousand dollars to do the job, and twenty computers were wiped. But it turns out um, they were trying to get administrative powers for many, many more computers to destroy them all. And I'll point out that during this whole period of time, the Energy Minister Chris Bentley. Um, who would have been part of these conversations, you know, the the opposition went to him and said, well, where are all the emails? Like, where are all the documents regarding the gas plan? He said, well, I don't have any. There are none. So I don't know how many documents were destroyed or emails were destroyed, but the people of Ontario are the real losers here because we will never know the true cost of all of this or who did what. But I can tell you that um, the people of this province were really screwed over with this thing, period. And Dalton McGinty, who is nowhere to be seen today, certainly doesn't have to answer to any of these questions. But it really should show people of this province how far this political party is willing to go to cling on to power. And if it means no long-term care, no mental health care spending, or help for autism families, or your hydro bill, they don't care. They will do what they have to to win. And that's, uh, I mean, that's their thinking uh, now, today, and heading into into June. We see that with the with the current premier. I'd like you, uh, I'd like to come back and talk to you some more about what's likely to happen to Mr. Livingston and what really the the fallout may be for the current Liberal government. Whether this is really going to resonate with the people of Ontario or whether it's going to be one of those issues that is going to be news today and forgotten tomorrow. It should not be because the as Alex just laid it out. The whole sequence of events is deeply disturbing. The fact that you take someone off the street, bring them into the premier's office, and have them involved with cleaning out, with 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 drive, with with uh, with wiping out, wiping hard drives uh, in the premier's office of information that doesn't belong to the premier, doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to the people of the province of Ontario. And not only did it cost us $1.1 billion to move those plants, or at least to cancel the, the gas plants and then construct them elsewhere, but it continues to cost us money because there's spinoff and fallout from that purely political decision. And we know what's happened with hydro. We know what's happened with hydro prices. We know what's happened with hydro bills. We know that people uh, on the lower end of the socioeconomic ladder particularly were having their hydro turned off because they couldn't pay. It's not that they didn't want to pay. It's that they couldn't pay, as was pointed out to us previously. 
This is a huge story, a huge issue for everyone in Ontario, and it has spill off, spin off in the rest of the country as well. If only from a political credibility standpoint. More with Alex Pearson. Her show is on point on the Chorus Radio Network. We're coming back with Alex after this. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. And I'm on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Follow me there. I'm just wondering what else the liberals have in their bag of tricks between now and the election in June. What else might be coming from Queen's Park, from the premier's office and from the liberal party, the liberal government? You know, they haven't fired all their odd bullets, strange bullets. There's more to come, but we know that there's a real ethics issue here, and there's a conviction of the former chief of staff of the premier when Dalton McGinty occupied the premier's office. Talking with Alex Pearson, my uh, colleague on Chorus Radio, the host of On Point. Alex, uh, what is it? Uh, what does Livingston face now? What What are the possible penalties? Um, I wouldn't think much. Uh, certainly not jail time. It's a it's a crime with a computer. Um, so I don't suspect he'll get a lot and maybe a fine. But what it does is give the opposition an awful lot of ammunition because now they can officially use words like corruption or scandal or look what they've done. Um, and you can't really deny it because what I think is really important for people to understand and what, you know, the premier already tweeted out as well, you know, this was a different time, different government. That is a load of horse pucky. She was in the upper echelons of this government. She was a pretty big player in this party, even at that time. And there's two important things to remember. Kathleen Wynne was the co-chair of the election campaign of that time, 2011. She would have been in that kind of inner circle with the decision-making. So she ought to have known, unless she was living under a rock, uh, the decisions that were being made. Further to that, and I think uh, more damaging, is that on July 29th, night there are uh, signed cabinet documents um, where she signed uh, off on payments to this Oakville gas plant, the canceled gas plant, and that cost the Ontario taxpayers $800 million, according to the Auditor General. So for her to say, hey, not me, didn't do it, can't, can't look at me, different time, is absolute nonsense. And don't forget, we still have ongoing investigations with this government, including Orange, which is, uh, I think it's in its fifth year now, and, and for whatever reason, doesn't ever seem to go anywhere. So I think, you know, politically, it's not a great thing for the premier to be going into an election five months from now with this ruling. I mean, I, I'm sure yesterday was not a great day for her. But I really think at this point, Roy, people need to take a good, hard look and say, is this what we expect in this country? Is this what we're willing to put up with? Because for me, this election is about two things turning Ontario in a di- different direction and actually getting back on track, becoming more business-friendly, and actually uh, giving people a chance to survive instead of nickel and diming them to death. The other thing, and I think it's really important, is 
sending a message that we as Ontarians are not going to put up with this crap because we don't live in Venezuela. We expect more from our politicians. And it's a bit about principles. And so people will say, well, I don't like Patrick Brown. I don't know who he is. Fine. Vote for Andrea Horvath. Vote for Green. Vote for the dog that's walking up your street. I don't care. But no one should reward a government that has been, I think, so disrespectful to the taxpayers of this province and really, I think, driven the cost of living up so much that, you know, that's why they need the increase in minimum wage. Because people cannot afford this government due to all the waste. And the Auditor General of Ontario has pointed out to the people of the province that because of the policies of the uh, of the Wynn government and the fact that they set aside the the advice from their own consultants on the hydrophile, we are now over one hundred and thirty billion dollars in 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 debt that we shouldn't be in debt for. Oh yeah, the debt is going up to three hundred and fifty billion dollars. And terrifying. It is terrifying because my child is going to be stuck with that, and what that means for the children of our future is. They won't have services for, let's say, hospital. They'll probably have to pay fees or they're not going to have mm-hmm. services for, um, you know, all the things that we actually need that we pay for for education. So we're really just robbing Peter to pay Paul. So it's all just a shell game. And everyone talks about, well, the hydro, they gave us relief. Well, first of all, they drove that hydro rate up. And B, um, they artificially lowered it short term to get through the election because right. documents are out there that show right after the election the price goes back up. So I think people need to really wake up and say, is this what we accept in Canadian politics now? Is this how low the bar is set for us, and this is how we're going to proceed? The Auditor General also pointed out that uh, just the way they they handle the policy, their own policy, they're made up from thin air policy, is going to cost on hydro, is going to cost the taxpayers of the province an additional $4 billion. So it's billions after billions after billions and then along comes Kathleen Wynne, and what's she interested in? Going after franchisees of uh, Tim yeah. Hortons. Yeah, look, that, that hydro uh, subsidy, make no bones about it, it is a loan over a very long period of time that could go upwards to $93 billion, uh, just to give you an artificial low bill for a year now. Right. So it's a very dangerous policy, and getting to your point on the minimum wage, something that she did not campaign on, uh, something she signed legislation on three years ago to say that they would not raise it past the rate of inflation. So businesses in Ontario were completely blindsided yep. by this raise that they were not prepared to, to forecast. And Alex, so, I, I have to yeah. I have to stop there yeah. because we're going to break, and uh, then we'll be talking to the uh, president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business about where there may be a business-friendly yeah. climate in this country. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. Business in this province. Cheers, Roy. Great talking to you always. Bye-bye. She's terrific. She really is one of the really talented people in our industry in this country. Alex Pearson. We're back after this.